What's up, y'all? This is Jenea, and you are now listening to the Femcast Podcast. Welcome to episode 10, and thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Please follow the Femcast on Instagram at Femcast Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Femcast Pod CST. This is episode 10, y'all. Like, this is the final episode of season two. And I am so, so, so incredibly excited to get into this episode. Now, if you have enjoyed this season, if you have a favorite from this season, if you've enjoyed season one and you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please tap into Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. This is going to help other queer folks like you, other folks who are just into the podcast, find the show. It will be very helpful for me and pushing this podcast forward. Now, I just also, look, we starting off the show with so many thank yous because y'all know I just be like, I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful, but I really am. Thank y'all for 1K listens. So literally season one, like, I, that, that was a goal, right? I was like, season two, I really want to hit a thousand plays, you know, and it happened earlier this season and I'm kind of just now mentioning it. It just... It just makes my heart so big. You know what I'm saying? Like, it means more to me, like the impact from the conversations mean more to me, the impact of the episodes, which all means more to me. But it feels like a huge deal to be a podcast that is not attached to a podcast company, a podcast that is like literally completely indie, just like doing it on our own. And now I'm doing it on my own. So for this podcast to have, you know, have so many plays and have so many folks tuning in, every other week just means the world. So thank y'all so much. Now I'm going to start this episode talking about this being a season of change. And I'm not just talking about for the Femcast. I think in a lot of our lives, I know I can't see y'all, but raise your hand if you hear me and if you feel me, if this is a season of change for you. Now on the spirituality episode in season one, I did a lot of talking about um, her at names is Juju Bay and the podcast, a little Juju where, um, Juju talks about different spiritualities, more so African traditional religions, but also there's an episode on numerology, right? And I was on Instagram stories the other day and on her story, she was talking about like reminding everybody, Hey y'all don't forget that 2021 is the year of five. Now, if you're like me and you are not a numerology gal, I was like, hmm, like, what does that mean? And she basically goes on to say the year five is about change. It's about things ending and it's about things ending and transformation and that certain things have to end to make room for the new. Now, this hit me so hard because at the time that I saw it, there have been so much and like just so many changes going on in my life, y'all. Like it's crazy. When I say at the end of last year, I was like, I need change. Like I need something different just on multiple fronts in my life. And then here we are in 2021. And I'm like, child, where's this change at? Like she is ready. And I am a Taurus. I hate change. Right. But I feel like I'm an evolved Taurus, like in a lot of ways. And so I always am reminding myself. That change is literally like the only constant thing 
in our lives, like nothing stays the same (laughs) forever. And so when I saw that, it really just spoke to me because I feel like a lot of the times when, when we say we want change, right? We just have this like positive, especially like a good change, right? This excitedness, this hopefulness, and it doesn't really take into account that change ain't always going to feel good. Now, it don't mean that the change is bad. It don't mean that the change don't need to happen. It just means that a good change can also feel bad in the process of it all. <laughs> like from getting from A to B, that A in the middle, that 8.5, however you want to characterize that, is not always going to be an easy transition. So whether it is friendships, whether it's jobs, you know, anything else that you have in your life right now and you feel like certain things are ending and it's kind of feeling like the end of the world, just know you got to roll with that change. Don't try to resist it. That is what she said. I'm just relaying the message because, you know, that is not my work. But shout out to Juju. And I just felt like it was important to share that message because I think that as long as we stay on a straight and arrow and do not reject the change, Shit's going to work out. It may not be overnight. It may not be tomorrow. But things are going to work out. So that's my little message as I start off this show. (laughs) Um, If you relate to that, let me know. Because when I say I go back and just re-listen to that, I'm like, remember, Janae, the year five, the year five, change, change, change. And also, I recommend y'all like to just look online. Because after watching that story... I went online and started looking up the year five and just like getting into more detail because, you know, an Instagram story can't really encapsulate everything. So don't resist the change. That's just a little message right now. (laughs) So speaking of change to get into this episode, this episode is going to be about friendships because friendships are a thing that change just like us as humans change. Okay. This episode, I'm going to be introducing y'all to my friend, Saj. Saj is a queer writer, artist, creative strategist, and host of Meditation for Misfits podcast. They were born and raised in Northern California and currently reside in Chicago. Saji is passionate about social justice, empowering others, holistic healing, and community building. Their work centers on Black LGBTQ plus healing and joy while also exposing the truth of navigating the world in their body. In Saja's spare time, they enjoy learning new things, yoga, meditation, hanging with friends, eating good food, period, I love some good food, and embracing beauty in all of its forms. Now, me and Saj, it's so wild. Me and Saj met in 20... 19 and we actually met during pride month so that would be like june 2019 and it was actually at a black pride event in chicago it was through other friends that i have um i had kind of just went on a whim to this event and then my friends had happened to be there and then they were with them afterward i think they were going to like a party or something and i lived in the area and like you know so they just it was too early i guess to go to the party i don't know but basically my friends i let them come over my house and then that's like where me and Sasha had found a, kind of first, like, you know, chopped it up or whatever. And we just kept in contact. And I feel like our friendship has grown tremendously since that time. And when I really think about it, I'm like, wow, 2019 was so like not a long time ago. <laughs> like 2019 was low key like 
two days ago. You know what I'm saying? Um, but the friendship has grown so much. And Saj is a person that I really trust. And I felt really like excited to have this conversation with them because I feel like, you know, we're all human, but they really do embody a great friend and somebody who I feel like has helped me become a better friend. So I just want to get into this topic of friendship because we hear so much about chosen family, but we don't really talk about like the queer friendships that end, the queer friendships that take pauses. You know what I'm saying? Friendships are friendships. So in day to day, you probably ain't naming them queer friendships, but you know what I'm saying? The queer people who don't know how to be good friends, the queer people who are struggling to find friends, you know, we don't really usually talk about the intricacies of it all. It's always just like, oh, chosen family, which is also very important. So I hope that y'all enjoy this episode. And here is my conversation with Saj. What's up, Saj? Welcome to the Femcast. How you feeling today? How you doing? I'm feeling fly. So fly. <laughs> Juneteenth was great. Yeah. Feeling, feeling mad grateful. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you for being here and bring your energy to the show. So we're going to start off with some queer news, okay? For sure. First, Joe Biden announced that Pulse Nightclub will become a national memorial. I feel like this is long overdue, but this is great news. Um, whenever that day comes up and people like post on social media and remind me, it's just like, that shit really did happen on Pride Month. Like, wow, yikes, like garbage. <laughs> that shit is mad violent too. And it's like, yeah. they should have they should have been made that shit uh, a memorial site. But you know, our previous administration right. would never, you know. And speaking of administration, our current Supreme Court unanimous, unanimously agreed that Catholic adoption agencies can ban LGBTQ parents. I don't understand. Like, I don't understand. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't understand. Uh, Very yikes. Anyways, fuck them. Like, do better. Because, you know, anybody can have a family. So I really don't... I don't understand the reasoning behind Wait it. Wait a minute. But so you said the, what? The Catholic... The Supreme Court decided that Catholic adoption agencies, like, they don't allow queer parents to, like, queer families, families to adopt kids. Catholic agencies. So I guess they reason likely because Catholic people have they, you know, or the establishment of the Catholic Church has their own beliefs about queer people they can ban like legally ban queer people from adopting from their agency specifically yeah but we got a conservative supreme court majority so right we're not surprised it's unfortunate not surprised surprised not surprised um a few episodes ago i had talked about uh in ghana queer people had kind of like got together to convene and it's fucked up. Their government over there, like, raided it and locked up the 21 people literally just for being, like, gay and getting together. It's really fucked up. They finally, like, released them on bail, allowed them to be released on bail. So that's a step forward. Like, I follow them and I can, like, post. Um, it's, I think their account is, like, Free the 21 on Instagram or LGBT Rights Ghana. So I'm going to probably share, like, updates to that on the Femcast's story. That's some. I mean, it's good that they're out on bail, but what the fuck? Like, this is some trash ass news. Like, right. 
I don't. Yeah. I did listen to the episode where you were talking about the center that had opened up, and mm-hmm, it immediately mm-hmm. uh, was mm-hmm. destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this it's is heartbreaking. Uh, yeah this is kind of another situation but i feel like it's all tied together it's Mm -hmm. just obviously homophobia but i think i'm like i love seeing that they are speaking out you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like through social media they getting the word out to like us over here you know what i'm saying so like it ain't like you know they're hiding it and i just like always bring up the afro queer podcast i'm waiting on them to come back i love that podcast like i just love that queer africans are being vocal and they've been vocal and they're not you know allowing the homophobia to be the story or allowing that narrative that's like oh you know africans don't do like mm, that's colonization you know what i'm saying so I'm, I'm glad to see them being vocal um that that makes me happy so i'm hopeful that they I'm sure it'll be a long haul, a long haul, but that that situation gets like handled, you know. Yeah. Um. Next up on the queer news is so I don't I I Carly was not my generation, you know what I'm saying? That was very much so my little sister generation. <laughs> but I have been rewatching like shows, and lately I've been rewatching silly little dumb shows, you know, which I would consider I Carly one of those like oh. little dumb shows. So no shade, like not dumb, <laughs> but like you know, silly. <laughs> no, I know no what shade. you mean. I don't. Um... Yeah, that yeah. was not my generation either. Right, yeah. right. I sometimes I just need something that's just like no stakes, just silly, goofy. Yeah, yeah, goofy is a better word. And um, so I had rewatched it because they brought back the reboot, which is for like adults. Because the people who even watched that show then, like, they grown ups now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like this new reboot on Paramount Plus, and it's actually really good. So Carly's best friend in the show. This isn't the best friend from the original. Her name is Harper in the new series. And so she's queer and she's black. Okay, okay. period. And um, they talked about like, they they had like this line talking about how like at parties, you know, you know, she'd be like taking everybody home basically. And then there was mention of like women, men, non-binary people. And I was like shocked because I can't really say it verbatim, but it was like a funny joke, you know, like she take, like she'd be getting all the hoes basically. And I was just like, yes, like I'm here for this. And I'm excited to see how they build on that in the show you know what i'm saying yeah. like i mean I'm, I'm excited to just see this like dark-skinned black girl be out here and be gay in the show you and know what i'm saying and live her life allegedly. and be getting all the hoes right allegedly we will see <laughs> <laughs> and then uh next up is so did you ever watch love and hip-hop sarge you know i can't say i watch it consistently <laughs> but my sister okay. watches it and, right um, so i don't know nobody's names none of that but i'll, I'll watch i'll watch episodes if it's on okay so for love and hip-hop atlanta mimi she was the one that used to date stevie J. it was the whole thing with the pole situation sex tape people know mimi for that it's been some years so i feel like people may not remember that mm-hmm. which is a good thing but anyway mimi had dated ty young who was a WNBA basketball player okay. and they had actually got engaged like literally a year ago mm-hmm. the engagement is off child it's some drama the engagement is off I am what happened? Ty is fine. So okay, so basically like Mimi never wanted to get married. Oh. And Mimi did not realize that. And they've been together for like years at this point. Mimi did not realize that until like after Ty proposed to her. Wait a minute, huh? Yeah. Like why yeah. y'all didn't talk about this? Like are motherfuckers just getting down on one knee without talking to having a conversation about marriage? Like don't propose to me unless we have talked about this. Right. And it seems to me like they have talked about it, which is the part that was like, it seems like she, 
it, it, she kept speaking. So she got on this like online interview. You know, Fox Soul been giving everybody a TV show. So um, <laughs> Tammy, who used to be on Basketball Wives, was on there like talking to Mimi, interviewing Mimi, and Mimi basically said she kept speaking. And I don't know, she kept she know she wasn't speaking directly. You know, she was trying to what's the word camouflage the conversation you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. i guess and so she wasn't being very direct but it did seem to me like she kind of was admitting that like she was not being honest with herself about not wanting marriage anymore like she wanted to just be with ty but she she thought she wanted it and she just realized that she really didn't likely because of these trash ass men she had been married to previously she seemed like she had a lot of just traumatic fucked up situation with these niggas so i can understand it but like yeah it's definitely kind of like dang never did like you not realize it till after this person who always said they wanted marriage you know what i'm saying proposed to you yikes i mean that's why you gotta know yourself you Mm -hmm. gotta reevaluate what you say you want Mm -hmm. yeah that's still sad though i'm sure it's it's heartbreaking either way if they've been together for so long yeah, she looked very sad. But then, like, it's also been drama now with her, like, publicly posting this other girl she dated now. So now it's just getting back to the mess, like, as regularly scheduled programming. People love her at Ty because Ty is, like, fine as hell. And also, Ty just be chill. Ty ain't on with that mess. So, I don't know. I hope they figured it out. Next next news, MJ Rodriguez, who was Blanca um, and Pose that recently ended, released her first single, what? something to say and she's yes. going by the name Michaela J so now we get an extend extended MJ it's Michaela J and I haven't listened to it yet but like she performed it for the first time so it's looking like she's delving into music and that's exciting because I'm sure she'll have like more time to do that now I love that for her mm-hmm. me too me too me I too. love a I'm multifaceted artist you know you Queen. just gotta right. be an actress or an actor <laughs> we making we making music okay we yeah. producing we acting. We're doing everything. We're doing it all. Yeah. Period. And then finally, so my favorite house, the house of Miyaki Mugler, they won. If people are watching Legendary on HBO Max, mm-hmm. oh, sorry. I should have did a spoiler alert. But y'all, hurry up. At this point, uh. it's done with. Um, Miyaki Mugler, <laughs> they won the season two of Legendary on HBO Max, which is like a Vogue competition show. I'm hyped because first season... I was expecting them to be on the first season of the show, and I was pissed because they were not. I learned about this house through Tati. She was on this um, way back when Viceland, which is like Vice's TV channel, had this show called My House, where it was like a docu-series where they follow these like vulgars in New York, and Tati was one of my faves. So Tati is in Miyaki Mugler, so that's why I was like, where are they at in the first season? And so they mm-hmm. came this season, they slayed that shit. Okay. And they won. So I'm lit. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about that. I hope you're going to tell the people how you uh, putting spoilers out there. You know, I don't care about spoilers. Yeah, I'm you regardless. don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need to do better at that. But sometimes I feel like when I do these spoilers, it'd be like three weeks out. So I'd be like, okay. At that point, we hitting a month. Was you that invested if you could wait a whole month without watching? I'm I not mean, sure. You could be, but maybe your time looked different. Like, I love Pose, and I ain't seen none of the episodes um, of mm-hmm. the new season. Um, yeah. But also, I don't care about spoilers, so I don't, like, I'm going to watch it regardless. Yeah, this is true. This is true. My bad, y'all, if I spoiled that for anybody. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's move on to the show. This episode, like I said, is about friendships and, like, 
queer friendships. It feels weird to say queer friendships, but I think very much so friendships between queer people. And so I want to start off talking about what were your friendships like pre-coming out? Like before you began to realize your sexuality, your gender identity, before you even started on that journey, like how would you characterize your friendships? Mm. I would say I definitely went through phases. So like in high school, mm-hmm. like had to deal with a lot of fuck shit because it's high school or it's middle school. school. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And mm-hmm. when you get when you're socialized as a girl or a woman, whatever the case may be, you internalize some of these messages about being messy and like gossip yeah. and shit like that. So it was a lot mm-hmm. of that. Um, I remember, like, there's one, like, it was pretty traumatizing at the time, but I had been friends with this one girl who I called, like, my best friend, and Mm -hmm. I won't say her name, you know, out here, just because I really don't give a fuck at this point. I'm about to be 30. This happened when I was, like, 17, but I still remember it in the sense that that shit left a mark on me, but long story short, went to her birthday party. Mm -hmm. Her brother wasn't, is an, I don't know if he is now, but at the time, he's an asshole, most of okay. us knew that who were friends and I was mm-hmm. at her birthday party and he was on some fuck shit so I said something to him I was like Boop. fam you better relax like you know roasted his mm-hmm. ass two years and you're in high school at this point yeah I was okay. like a sophomore at the time or end of okay. freshman year of high school tell me why my senior year this same girl who I had been friends with like comes to me at the beginning of the school year talking about Saj like we can't be friends anymore like I don't like how you talk to my brother at my birthday party two years ago and I was like oh <laughs> nah bitch you right we can't be friends. We can't. right you we been can't. holding on to this like nah cause I don't need that <laughs> right. kind of shit you know what I mean right so, like mm-hmm. I just that right there that made me realize I'm like people do not know how to communicate Yes. You know, and I'm a yes. I'm direct and I feel like mm-hmm. for me, like if you have a problem and we're friends, like you should be able to problem solve or right. if you if something hurts your feelings, you can't assume. And also, like you weren't there when your brother was on some fuck shit. So you made so a you decision. Don't even know. You made a decision mm-hmm. about our quote unquote friendship without even actually coming to me and asking me what happened. And also, yeah. like, you know, your siblings an asshole like. So don't get mad when people check your sibling. Like, right. if somebody say something to my sibling and then they tell me, that's between y'all. Yeah. That ain't got shit to do with my friendship unless you really on some wild shit. So I would say mm-hmm. had a lot, I had a hard time in high school when it came to friends because people are mean. Um, mm-hmm. And then in college, I would say that's where I made most of my friends. Like a lot of my friendships okay. now span five, 10 years over a decade. And so yeah. I would say I Aww. have really good friends. And um, mm-hmm. they don't all live in the same city. So sometimes I'd be forgetting how right. solid my friendships are. But one thing I can yeah. say is like, because I've lived in a lot of places, I don't necessarily have friends where I'm like, oh, all my friends live in this city. Like I could mm-hmm. probably go almost anywhere in the country or in the world and have somewhere to stay because yeah. I have friends mm-hmm. there. Nice. So, That's beautiful. Yeah. I love my yeah. friends. Yeah. That's amazing. So for me, like, it's kind of the same. I feel like, Definitely, I personally have friends that I would not consider bad people, but that looking back, I know I accepted certain things that I definitely would not accept as Janaea today. Mm-hmm. And like, part of me feels like that has less to do with queerness and just more so about age, like you said, like mm-hmm. that middle school, high school shit, you know what I'm saying? And then, predominantly in my life, like all my close friends have been black women for the most part, just mm-hmm. growing up like in this segregated ass city, you know, that's who, you know, I'm around more so. And so, 
Um, yeah, in high school, I had one main friend group kind of, and then that very much so shifted towards the end of high school because it got to be like very clicky. And maybe that's just like a high, like high school was clicky already, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, but um, a lot of people in this friend group began to like get close with this other person, which was fine. I didn't dislike this other person at all. Like, but they began to, I, I would say I, they began to follow her. Like they began to kind of, I felt like be a little bit like her minions, like try to Not talk like her, girls. try to be like, like it really, I mean, and it wasn't mean. That was the thing though. I don't feel like they were mean, but it was just like out of the friend group, I was literally the only one that was not very much so on this girl's dick. Like I was just like, I'm, you know, I'm just still being me, but they were very much so like following this girl or whatever. So that friendship really shifted um, because there kept being this need to fit in. And I felt like I always felt that in high school, this need to, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of us do to like fit in because you want to have friends. And also this needs to be like a certain kind of black woman. But I, I began to be comfortable just being myself. So I'm just like, I don't need to be like that girl ain't my friend like that. So why I got to act different to be her friend. You know what I'm saying? So I began to not begin to be invited to things and stuff like that, which kind of sucked. And I felt like left out because I was being myself. So that was not enjoyable. But I also felt like it happened for a good reason because I got closer with my like friends that are queer that I mean, we knew they were queer, but in high school it was just like low key because it was still, when well, I you know homophobia that still wasn't really rolling. So that friend group was like more so queer people, and I feel like them are the niggas who are literally my like still my friends today. Like I still talk mm-hmm. to all of them. Mm-hmm. So I do feel like even though we could have all still been friends, like the the first group I was talking about, I feel like them shifting to be followers kind of helped me because I feel like me coming to my queerness in college, like. If I didn't meet that group of queer friends in high school, you know what I'm saying? Would I have felt comfortable enough to name it when I was away from them, away from my home city? You know what I'm saying? At college, mm-hmm. naming that I'm gay. You know what I'm saying? So that was very much so my experiences, like pre coming out. Did you like while you were coming out and like, you know, navigating that in between? What what did the friendships do? Were they changing? You I know? mean, okay, so. I feel like most of my friends were usually straight people. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of my best friends in college were straight. And then also, I had a very spiritual experience, if you will. Like, I had, like, some people would call this, like, uh, what do you call it? Now, like, evangelical Christians would say, like, my, what do they call it? I don't even fucking know. Um, but, like, <laughs> I'm going to just call it a spiritual awakening, like, rebirth type situation my senior year of college so my senior Mm -hmm. year of college I was like this very evangelical Christian person and a lot of my friends that I had was not trying to fuck with me for obvious reasons Um, okay you know because sometimes you know Christianity when you first get in it if you're like in a uh uh I don't know like um essentially like they're out there on the street like I was doing street ministry okay it's okay. hard to think of myself out here like that now. I mean, I'm generally pretty friendly, um, mm-hmm. but a lot of my friends was like, "Nah, fam, you're not trying to party. You're not. Tra- you're not smoking no more. Like, what's yeah. going on?" And so, a lot of my friends were like in the church, and so definitely not queer, or they yeah. were, but right. I was gonna say, Ooh. okay, the church. Okay, the church. Listen, they was in there. We just right. wasn't they talking was about it. There. We was in there. <laughs> Talking about the thorn in my flesh. Yikes. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Hashtag growth. You know, so some of my best <laughs> friends are like straight folks. Um, yeah. And as I, you know, graduated from college and 
like I was in the Peace Corps. I, I lived in Indonesia, lived in Houston. I right. started meeting more queer folks. I feel like most people I know are queer in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it's kind of hard to relate to straightness at some in some degree. Bloop. You know what I mean? Yes, like straight I agree. Culture and queer culture is very different. So I would say friends mm-hmm. that I've made in my later 20s are mostly queer. And people who Most say they're straight, I'm like, who's straight? Like, what does that even mean? Like, <laughs> are you sure? Like, I'm not I'm not gonna try to convince you. I, I'm not trying to convince you or nothing like that, but are you sure? Right. You know, what yeah. is straight? You know, so what I is say, it? most of my friends are queer in some, in some way. And if they're mm-hmm. not like, well, I'm queer and that's right. what the fuck we finna be talking that's what it about. Is. Um, you know, we can yeah. talk about your the shitty men you date if you want or whoever. You know what I mean? But like, right, right. that's not my life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, that ass. I, I also, yeah, definitely experienced shifts because my coming out was like my freshman to so- like sophomore year. I was solidly, boom, this is who I am. But freshman year was kind of like in college was like the transition for me. And so I definitely lost friends because I don't know, I, quiet as it's kept, there are a lot of black women who still struggle with homophobia like straight up and it's kind of like as a black woman but sometimes i say that because like as a black woman we always talk about how black women are always the ones there like as allies in any space a black woman i will say have helped me right but Mm -hmm. i feel like when it is revealed that i am queer something changes like guaranteed something changes Mm -hmm. when it is revealed that i'm queer i don't know if it's a mental or like psychological like oh you're different from me you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. even though my ass way back then i i I related more to being attracted to men way back then right even Mm -hmm. then it didn't matter Mm -hmm. i was still attracted to women so like there definitely was shifts like in college i definitely could say confidently i lost friends because you say you're an ally but you still dating these homophobic ass niggas right like People that I lived with in college, like, you know, I had my partner at the time and not only would you have a homophobic parents, which I get it, right? Irritating as hell, but they ain't my parents, but okay. But you got these niggas who we see on Twitter being very homophobic all the time. You kick in with them. You invite them to the apartment. We all stay in that, like, literally, you know, my girlfriend is back there. You know what I'm saying? It's in here in the kitchen chilling with me and you got these homophobic niggas in this space with me you're not my friend you know what i'm saying like you you still dating these homophobic niggas and you're not thinking about how like i've seen the violent shit they've said about gay people and it's supposed to be a place where i feel safe i feel like people for some dick like right Right. you know what though i think that in some ways like because black women i I feel like especially if you are a dark-skinned black woman woman Mm -hmm. you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying like the bar is very low and then you add education on top of there and so Mm -hmm. for me i think that it's a little bit more nuanced i don't think that we should accept homophobia ever and at the same time i'm like i can definitely understand why a some black women in general might just be like oh no it's not that homophobic you know like i know them Mm -hmm. and i'm just or they don't necessarily know what homophobia is specifically Mm -hmm. You know, because not mm-hmm. everybody is going to be blatant about their homophobia. About it. Absolutely. Know? Or they're not mm-hmm. going to see a certain action as homophobic, maybe because, number one, you're not a queer person. So that might not yeah. sound homophobic to you. And, like, my sister is very much a straight woman, okay? Mm-hmm. So me and her, we have these conversations all the time where I'll be like, nah, fam, that's... And then I'll have to explain it, and she'll be like, damn. So now my sister, whenever yeah. she dates... You know, this is new, I think, for her, but she's actually able, she has a better grasp of it where she'll straight up ask them. Like, I remember one time this dude was trying to talk to her and she was like, wait, what did you say? She was like, oh, no, that's not okay. Yeah. 
and it was something like he thought was small but she literally stopped fucking with him she was like yeah no but i don't feel like a lot of people are out here doing that because you don't necessarily right. see who you're dating as a a communal endeavor if you will mm, mm-hmm. you even know? though you may one day build a family with them I, you have to think about these things even in college you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. it's definitely more nu- nuanced absolutely but I think it'd be the performativeness of it, like acting like because, you, you know, your experience and your marginalization, what you've been through, your allies to other people when it's just like in action, though. Like, because for me, that's friendship, right. like sticking up. For, that's friendship, sticking up for queer people. You don't have to be queer. You can actually be trying to educate them. But I felt like especially in college, people were trying to be popular. They were on Twitter wild and talking about like some shit was just straight up violent and fucked up and it ain't no question about it. So that's why I feel very enraged in that particular situation because I'm like, this wasn't no... You can read it either way. You know what I'm saying? It's black and, and like white. to have a, it's black and white. And you right. got this motherfucker in my house? Nah, fuck that. The fuck out of here. Sit on the couch. You know what I'm saying? Trying to kiki with me. No, nigga. No, we not. You not know, with like, that it's energy. Just, fuck no. No. Exactly. So that definitely was changes. And also, I think, like, like I say, sophomore year, I was definitely more confident in my queerness. And I began to name my needs, and that changed friendships. So, like, also, mm-hmm. I love the Made in America Music Festival in Philly. Like, I can't wait till I'm able to take my safe, myself there safely and have a good time, give me a cheesesteak and live my life. And so I will go with one of my friends and the hotel we stayed at, like if we were on Instagram and put location or like just down the street, it was called the quote unquote neighborhood. So the hotel was in Philly's like queer neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I remember the person who was my friend at the time being like, why would they call it that? And it's like, why what? wouldn't they call it that? Literally to my face, knowing that I'm gay. And sometimes it'd be like, did I not come out to you? Was that not hard for me? Did you not say that you accept me, that you love me? Why are you questioning why they calling it? Like, we know why. So it just felt like a girl. That's and so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very like, yikes. And I mean, that friendship obviously changed because that person refused to level up. Like, period. I don't know what they thought a friendship was, but I'm like, this should be reciprocal, babes. Like, me telling you that is not just something you don't think about no more. And you shouldn't have been homophobic before, but maybe, like, you know what I'm saying? It took more for me to get to that point to speak up for myself even. Mm -hmm. So, like, I feel like this is why I don't have many straight black women friends. Like, I have them, but I would not say I'm very close Mm -hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. Because, um, like you say, you're an ally, but you picky about when you actually stick up for queer people, and that is just like, come on. If you're around me, you know certain things. You know what I'm saying? If you right. consider yourself friends with me, so you like, I don't really see how you do that. It also depends too on what somebody defines as a friend. You know, mm-hmm. because some people they think because you see me at a function and and I talk to that you we, regularly, mm-hmm. we friends. And sometimes mm-hmm. I think that people think they're my friend, but I don't consider them my friend, you know? So I think that it's, yeah. a, it's a conversation. Like if it's not reciprocal and I'm not saying you got to call me every day, don't do that. Um, right. But I think that it really, you have to define the terms. In sociology, mm-hmm. you define the terms that you're using because you know what I'm saying? Right. Like that matters. So for some people, they don't expect you to stick up from, for them in the same ways, you know, but my definition of a friend, um, for me is like one, it's reciprocal. If it ain't reciprocal, mm-hmm. I don't want it. Um, right. And period. then two, like you're not talking shit about me and people don't feel comfortable coming to you to talk shit about me. And I don't have to be in the room for you to exercise 
you know, you're, I'm not saying you have to have allegiance to me, but there are just some things that you don't let people say about your friends and that you don't say about your friends. It's kind of like, to me, it's like family. A lot of my friends are family for me. And so I'd be having to be like, all right, what the fuck are you doing when I'm not in the room? I don't give a fuck about what you're doing when I'm here. I mean, yeah, that's important, but um, how are you talking about me? How are you engaging with me? When we have an issue, are you telling your other friends before you talk to me about it? You know, can you communicate? Because I feel like for me, all of my best friends or all of my good friends, we've had conflict before. Yeah. Speaking of that concept of communicating and like friends as family, post coming out, how would you characterize your friendships? Like, has there been much change? Do you feel, you know, what differences, if there are any, do you see or have you experienced? Um, I mean, I didn't come out until I was like 25 or 26. So that's when I lived in Houston. And I would say I'm still... Like I was one of those friends who was like the quote unquote strong friend. So a lot of people would be able to be vulnerable with me, um, but I wouldn't necessarily be vulnerable with others because I don't just trust anybody. You know, I would call my, I would call it like stop vulnerability. And so I would say like, these are, this is shit that like most people know, you know what I mean? Where if it got repeated, I wouldn't mind depending on what it is. But as I've gotten older, I've been, um, I would say I've been learning to I would say exchange vulnerability tokens, where it's not just like me holding all of someone else's story, but me feeling like I can share as well. Um, and also just being honest about my boundaries when it comes to my friends and figuring out like my attachment style and being like, okay, how do I become more secure in some of my friendships? Um, you know, things like that. So I would say some, the main thing that has changed is my ability to advocate for myself in my friendships and create a level of fluidity within them. Because I think one of the things that I've learned the most is like when I was cosplaying as a straight person, you know, (laughs) like the things that, uh, not for real, you know, the things that people would define like, okay, like this is my friend, so this is what friends do, um, but we don't do X, Y, Z. So I had to learn also like intimacy. It's okay to want to hug your friends. Like I have some friends. Yeah, I was going to ask have, you about that. We have yeah. sleepovers and shit and mm-hmm. we cuddle. Like, but that's, that's, you know, it doesn't have to be like a one size fits all. It really just depends on what people are comfortable with and mm-hmm. being able to talk about that and being able to have your needs met outside of a romantic relationship. Because one yes. of the things I've noticed is that when I was like cosplaying as a straight person, physical touch, for example, wasn't something that was weird. You have girls that sleep over, sleeping all in the same bed, all cuddled up with each other. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as people know that you're a queer, they think that you're trying to hit on them. Hit on them. You know, and yes. I would say I present more mask, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't, I'm gender fluid. I don't subscribe to the gender binary. However, I do right. understand how I'm perceived. And so now as this, you know, this ex- the fullest expression of myself, sometimes I have to be mindful of what I know other people might be thinking like, oh, that's Saj's partner or whatever. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Like, just because somebody gets a hug, like I greet my friends with kisses on the cheek sometimes, like if that's what we're doing. And I think part of my understanding of friendship has changed a lot just from, you know, different places around the world that I've lived. When I lived in Indonesia for two years, for example, the ways that you see, you know, people of the same gender, for example, um, 
interact, it's very different. And if you took Americans and you put them in the context I was in, you'd be calling everybody gay, you know? And so I think that it's like, do what feels comfortable for you. Not everybody likes physical touch. Not everyone, you know what I mean? So yeah, like me just talking to my friends and, you know, being like, okay, like, how do you like to greet people? Like, you don't think that that's a conversation that you should have, but I, I think that it is, you know, the same way that you, like the same way I engage with folks who I'm romantically involved with or have different levels of connection with, I think that's the same way that I like to engage with my friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, on a much deeper level. Yeah. It, yes. you, it feels like you remove those boundaries. Like, can't nobody tell you what the friendships is. Like, you get to define it for yourself. Like, absolutely. Um, I definitely relate. I think since coming out, my friendships are, like, deeper and more authentic. Because, you know, you spoke about being able to connect, being able to be vulnerable and make sure that vulnerability is, like, reciprocal with people. Like, you don't just have to receive people and be strong for them. You get to also be vulnerable with them. That's one of my main qualifiers, I feel like, since coming out. Because one thing is, I'm a crier. I'm emotional. I feel things. And growing up, you know, I was in a household where... um, you know, I, I, I went to therapy very early, I will say that. And it was because I was told that I need to be quiet about what was going on at home and stuff like that, right? Like, I can't um, be vulnerable or talk about how frustrated and pissed off and scared and whatever that I am. And so it's been, like, for me, I cannot with nobody. If I can't cry with you, I can't say you my nigga. Like, honestly, like, if I can't cry. And, and for me personally, if I consider you my friend on many levels, I'm rarely, I'm rarely ever, like, let me not talk to this person because I'm finna cry. Like, I'm okay with being vulnerable because, right. like, if it makes somebody else uncomfortable for me to be vulnerable, it don't mean that, that they are upset with me. Like, it don't have to have nothing to do with me. It mm-hmm. could be something completely different. Mm-hmm. But I know, like, I got to be able to feel safe crying with you. And I usually, I would cry with a lot of people because it's more so about me than it is about them. Mm-hmm. But if I realize that, like, you make me feel like I'm off or something wrong with me for crying or, you know what I'm saying? then I'm probably not going to consider you a friend no more <laughs> because, like, right. that's just who I am. You know what I'm saying? I cry, motherfucker. When I'm mad, and which is really sadness, I cry. So, like, and I'm okay with that. And it helps me kind of gauge, I think, where other people are at. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Um, and, then, yeah, I'd have to say more authentic, deeper. And also, you brought this up, too. Everything's not about, like, love and marriage. I feel like even though queerness is supposed to be this, quote, unquote, definition of, like, you know who you're attracted to or like what your gender identity is it, it can be more than that it's more than about like niggas ain't right. always talking about who they finna marry and who they gonna date next we talk about it for sure but it's not like the pinnacle of everything it should be weird that's why it's mm-hmm. hard to hang out with a lot of straight people because depending on who yes. your straight friends are and what their communities are motherfuckers always talking about getting married and the thing is is i've I've really never thought about marriage. I was not one of those kids who was like naming my kids and mm-hmm. you know none of that shit. I no, I'm not saying that yeah. there's anything wrong with that, but I also feel like straight culture is very much like relationship escalator and if you don't want to get married, then there's something wrong with you. And I feel mm-hmm. like I see a lot of like even within the LGBTQ+ community, you see a lot of queer folks kind of um, aligning their lives to these expectations even if they don't necessarily want to be married it's like this is kind of what we have to do in order to be accepted and if you don't want to do those things then you have other queer people like looking at you sideways when you're like nah I just be out here and you're like 
this is why straight people don't like gay folks. And I'm like, no, straight people don't like gay people because they're homophobic. It ain't got shit to do with whether or not I want to be married or not. Or, yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's those it's those expectations that just need to be expanded. Because like, even I think about, like, you know, being able to say, like, anybody is attractive, right? Like, you don't have to be queer to say somebody is fine, you know what right. I'm saying, of your same gender or whatever. And, like, I remember one time talking about Rico Nasty, and I'm like, Rico Nasty is sexy. Like, I don't understand this concept of because she's, like, more tomboyish or rough that she not sexy. Like, that she not a bad bitch. And, like, I can't – it was a, with a straight friend, and I felt like she was uncomfortable, possibly <laughs> because I was gay. And I'm mm. like, yes, I absolutely would. Rico Nasty, absolutely, yes. But, like, I'm not even on that. You know, like, why can't you say that with me? I'm not going to read you as gay or whatever. It's just that she fine. But you so in your head thinking about dating all the time. You know what I'm saying? That you can't right. even allow yourself to just be like, damn, that's a bad bitch, you know? Right. So it's 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 crazy. And I will say, too, like, while I've gained more. So it's all this talk about chosen family and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I feel like there ain't enough talking about, like, queer friendships that end, that take pauses, that, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying, that don't turn out to what you, you thought it was going to be. And so, like, I would say, well, I've gained more valuable friendships as a queer person. I, um... Learn that some queer people are just simply, like you said, just attracted, like are just queer and sexual. Like they don't have the same radical, you know what I'm saying, values that I feel like I have and don't place the same importance on friendship like a lot of queer people do. There are queer people who are literally, it's literally just about who they attracted to right. and that's it. And it's like, I've had to realize that um, because it's like, it's really sad. And I think sometimes I go into certain friendships with queer people thinking that like, even though many of us think these ways that like all of us think these ways when it's like, mm-hmm. no baby, there are some people who just do not. And they Have don't care about their friends. Like that? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I, I honestly, I had to end two friendships in April, mm-hmm. you know what okay. I mean? And both, both queer folks. And mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like, people can't just be treating me any kind of way. Kind of way. Like mm-hmm. given who I am, number one, I'm not saying I'm not open to new friendships. I am. And mm-hmm. I also pour a lot into my friendships. Yeah. You know, like, right. you have to have capacity for that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not interested in, um, like, yeah, we cool. We can kick it, you know. We can we can go out and do that. And for me, like, I like depth. And mm-hmm. um, this friend in particular, it was a situation where, um, number one, don't be getting in my business for, for number one. We can be friends, but um, and right. we can share certain things. But if you start sharing those things with other people and it's like playing telephone and then that shit gets back to me. And now it's a problem because you've created a whole different issue issue yeah. off of some shit that you said that you said that I said that I didn't say. You right. know what I mean? And then that's creating problems in other avenues of my life to where I'm mm-hmm. like, nah, it's not even at, about age at that point. It's about okay, this person came to Can you, I trust with, you with whatever they came to you with. And rather than coming to me and saying, hey, Saj, this came up in a conversation I had with this other person. And because mm-hmm. we consider one another friends or siblings or what have you, I just wanted to bring this to your attention. Maybe this is a conversation you might want to have with them. But I think because a lot of people don't know, know how to deal with conflict a lot of the times. Right. Or, you know, they don't necessarily really know you as well. Because I also realized that whenever I talked to this person, they would never actually ask me about myself. Um, mm-hmm. or what I was doing and so I and had is to, that a friendship like that's right. that'd be the reevaluation like is right. that a friendship or is that just me being there for you motherfucker like no. right you yes, know what I'm yes, saying yes. so mm-hmm. for me I had to evaluate some of the interactions that we had and I'm like 
oh wow like you don't ask me about the projects i'm working on right what i'm saying like the conversations we have are very Um, Uh one-sided and there have been times where i'd be talking to this person and in the middle of the conversation they would like oh shit i got it and then they would like walk away in the middle of the conversation and then they would come back like and wouldn't even follow Mm. up you know what i mean yeah 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 it's one of those things where it's like you know, like not everybody your friend and yeah, you know, there are levels to it. And I think for me, it's about making sure that people like I'm not going to be like, well, we're you're an acquaintance and you're a friend. You know what I mean? But in you, your head, you know, in yeah, my mind, you're right. not going to play me. Like, that's yeah. D- Does losing queer friends, do you think it feels different than when you like stop being friends with people who are straight? Do you feel any difference in that loss or like processing? Nah. Yeah. I think because I love people so much, like I really do love people. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like everybody. You know what I'm saying? And that's okay. Everybody don't like me. Um, but right. I would say if I consider you a friend and like we've probably been through some shit, you know? Right. You know? And so either way, whether it's a straight friend or a queer friendship, um, it still hits very similarly mm-hmm. be, just because of how I show up in my friendships. And now I haven't always been a great friend. You know, I know there are people who do not fuck with me for obvious reasons you know Mm -hmm. um and at the same time i think that for me i define a friend as someone who even though we have our problems we're able to experience growth in some way and it's like you can get to a point to where like sometimes it's not personal either it's like we're on this path and i don't feel like we're going in similar directions i don't even know if we're parallel at this point like Mm -hmm. i um i'm not interested in being your friend anymore and like being able to say that rather than like ghosting somebody and just not mm-hmm. talking to them they reach out to you you don't respond to their text messages like I'm very much someone who's like hey fam like I'm not in a, we're not really in alignment as far as I'm concerned I'm not interested in being friends with you like that in that way some people they're mm-hmm. like oh I don't you know I don't have the I don't have the energy to be doing that whatever and I'm like no nah, I like niggas to be clear like mm-hmm. and it's not even that I don't fuck with you and it's not that I don't it's like listen I want to see you eat just not at my table like, it's not mm-hmm. going to be me gossiping about you when I, right. I leave. But at the same time, it's like, nah, we're not kicking it like that. And being able yeah. to name that because it looked one way and now it's going to look a different way. And I think being mm-hmm. able to put language to that so that everybody involved is clear about the situation. That's really what the fuck I'd be trying to be on. Yeah, for sure. And two like friendships can like, you know, wane. And, you know, sometimes it's just like a pause and then you catch back up and you don't need to have the you know, deep conversations, but then when it gets to that point, you absolutely do. And like, for me, I absolutely feel like, I ain't gonna lie, friendships with queer people hit harder than straight people because mm-hmm. I find myself having more empathy for queer people because we can just relate on, mm-hmm. not all queer people, obviously, but a lot of times you can relate on a lot of the same levels about some deep shit. Mm-hmm. So like, for me, it definitely do hit harder because, um, and I, I need to learn how to do better at walking away from queer friendships. Like when I feel like it's a wrap or when a person ain't reciprocating because in my brain, it'd be like trying to like, like uh, what's that saying? Um, like they would like people be falling in love with the potential of a person. Like it's kind of like related to that. Like I'll be like, damn, they've been through this. They have been through that. And especially if it's something I relate to, it'd be like, damn, you know, I would have wanted somebody to be patient with me or da, 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 da. When the reality is like, these niggas are not my projects. Like if it gets to a certain point that I'm like, like you say, it's one sided and you want, obviously want to still be my friend, but I don't want to be your friend. nigga. Like I I don't lose no sleep without you in my life. It's like, that's not reciprocal. So it's just kind of like, it do be hitting different for me. And I got to do better at checking myself on being like, 
hold up. You know what I'm saying? Is this reciprocal? Is this or like, like, it's not your job to be thinking about this person backstory. You know what I'm saying? Because they queer and because they went through these similar things. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, like, we all responsible for healing our childhood trauma things. We all responsible for ourselves. And you can do that with a friend. But that's the issue with people not valuing friendships like that and only valuing who they fucking is like, because you don't even give yourself the potential to grow within a friendship and be better and that can help heal you from what you're trying to work on but niggas can't even do that because you know what i'm saying here's the trash i feel (laughs) like if you are a good friend you're going Mm -hmm. to be a good partner the more practice you Mm -hmm. have as a friend like Mm -hmm. you just want to be married because they fine or whatever right now you're surprised why you and your spouse don't get along because you don't know how to be a friend yes Um, I think yeah. that it's all connected. And here's it the thing. Is. Like, I'm not, I've definitely been the villain in someone else's story. We all have, you know, balance. You, mm-hmm. can't, you, you can be both oppressor and oppressed, whatever. Mm-hmm. And at the yes. same time, when I started being a better friend and when I started being able to communicate in my relationships where it's like, hey, you hurt my feelings. Let's mm-hmm. talk about this. You know, because a boundary for me might not be a boundary for everybody else. Right. And so I can't assume that this person, whatever it is that they did or said you know that they were intentionally trying to hurt harm or hurt you. yeah so it's up to me to be able to communicate that rather than letting that shit pile on and then being like nah fuck that they should have known but like being able to you're not good at conflict well practicing your friendships you're gonna have mm-hmm. more practice than when you say when you're trying to get partnered up you're trying to get booed up like you want to know yeah. why you ain't got you want to know why you ain't in a relationship you ain't got no good friendships like yeah maybe it's not as black and white as that but i also think that if you have good friendships you're gonna have good relationships anyway i don't think that they're separate separate you know? agreed agreed like if your friendship's trash for the most part it's more than likely uh that's likely a mirror for what's going on on the other side that is a very very good point the point i was gonna ask you you know what would you tell people who are trying to find friends and but I feel like you kind of answered that already because there are people who struggle like I said in college I struggle with having a solid friend group I feel like a big part of it is because I'm queer mm-hmm. and I was in a white ass queer I'm black and queer and I was in a white ass right queer place um but I feel like that's a good note to leave on you know what I'm saying reflect on how you doing with your friendships and what you because what do you have to offer it's the same shit like Period. what do you have to offer in the friendship than you would you would in a relationship so Big facts, big facts. Anything else you want to say before we hop into what we're living for and what's homophobic? Also, people around friendships. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, number one, I love you, Janae. Like, you are oh, you my, too. one of my first friends here in the city. And I just want to affirm you and affirm our friendship because we've yeah. definitely had our, uh, our, our conflicts where we've yes. had to have conversations. And it's scary mm-hmm. because... In conflict, like, you never know how you're going to be received. And I'm not saying that, you know, every like, conflict can be scary. But I will say, Mm -hmm. like, I'm mad grateful for you. Um, Y'all, Janae is mad talented. Um, Oh, stop. I love everything that they do. And one thing about me and all the Leo in my chart, you know, I'm always going to hype you up in everything that you do. So thank Thank you you for being my friend and and for seeing me. You know what I'm saying? And for being open to receiving me. Because I would say sometimes, too, mm-hmm. even just the way I present, and I think a lot of mask folks, it's like, it's it's 
sometimes some people would say unusual to be friends mm-hmm. with, you know, quote unquote, femme folks, or like, you're supposed to be running around with all the masked people. It's like, nah, balance. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's unrealistic. Just... <laughs> it's unrealistic. We can talk about that all the time. I'm listening. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it is unrealistic. But I would, and let's like, don't limit yourself. Right. You know? Anybody could be um, a friend. Yeah. yeah. So I would just yeah, say, thank be you yourself. So much. Mm-hmm. Be yourself when you're making friends and don't allow what other people say your friends should look like or be like to limit you. Because you'd be surprised the kind of places that you find friendships. Like a lot of my friends yeah. are very different from me. And it's because I stopped limiting myself and being like, oh, I should only be friends with um, women or I should only be friends with men. Like, no, I'm going to be friends with people who I vibe with and like Period. figure out where it goes from there. Yeah. Like, don't be afraid to break off from your quote unquote friend group. Like, ask, what do you even know what you want in a friendship? Right. You know, like, I would mm. say that was the biggest thing, like, learning myself and what I needed as a yeah. friend and being able to say, do I feel like I'm being supported? How can I ask for what I need? And when I mm-hmm. ask for what I need, how is it being received by the person who I'm asking for the things I think I need? You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, thank you for those gym, Saj. And thank you I so much. You like, friend. I love you. I love our friendship, too. <laughs> like, definitely, like, you just never know who you could become, like, really close with. So I'm so grateful for you because, like, you've definitely been a blessing in my life. Like, so thank you for saying all that because I'm like, mm. that was so sweet. Yeah, thank you. Oh, what a great conversation. Okay. So let's go on to what what you're living for this week. Are you living for anything? Is anything feeling very homophobic right now? You need to just rant and get it off your chest. Like, what's the vibes? You know, I've been actually feeling mad grateful. Um, Uh I'm living for all the black people I see out here living their best life. Like, I love seeing black folks. Like, it was just Juneteenth. And so Mm -hmm. seeing black people in the street stopping traffic because they're dancing or they're doing whatever the fuck they're doing okay yeah um i love black people i'm about to move to the south side and so just being over there in comparison to living on the west side is very different so i've really just been living for seeing black people in the sun Mm -hmm. living their best lives getting their creative projects moving and going and yeah i just love black people so yeah juneteenth was definitely a vibe and that's really what i'm living for nice period yeah i'm this week i'm living for i feel that saucy santana have you heard let me see you walk 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 yes he finally released the video for that song it's been out so long (laughs) if you haven't checked go back and listen to the queers and music episode um from this season and i'm super duper duper excited about I'm not excited, but I saw the video already and it was like really raw. A lot of cameos. I brought up the, um, what do you call it? I brought up Legendary on HBO mm-hmm. and a lot of the like Vulcan girls who are on there were um, on the video. A lot of just other famous people was on the video. You know, it was really like bad bitch energy. And mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that the support continues for Santana because I feel like he has more good songs than this. And I just really love the video. It was just like dropping it on Pride was actually a fantastic idea. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's landing with the straights as well so living for saucy santana <laughs> do you have anything that's homophobic at all and it's okay if you don't all good no, if you I don't i feel like a lot of shit is homophobic to be honest. everything damn near yeah, yeah. a lot of it is homophobic okay <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Okay. I have a long that's homophobic and I'm going to try to whip this right on up and make it short. Um, if people have not heard of Kimamanga and Gozi Adichie, um, oh, she, yeah. we are all feminists. You know, yeah. she got really popularized with Beyonce's. I think it was her self-titled album um, with Flawless. It was a snippet of her speaking. You know, she's a writer, scholar, Nigerian um, writer, scholar. And so to make this... To make this short, you know, she's still writing books and things, you know what I'm saying? The girls still know what she's doing and everything. So she had this writer's workshop and I, this had to been over a year ago that this workshop happened. And I remember two, there were two, so it was specifically for Africans, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I believe there were two trans Africans in this workshop. Mm -hmm. And so they, and they were writers. And so I remember one of them and I could not find it because I was looking for it. It had been so long ago to, to reference for this episode, but I couldn't find it. But one of them was like posting on Twitter. Basically, it's just like, it's fuck Kim Amanda. Kim Amanda, I'm saying her name, I think. Like, because she is homophobic. She's transphobic. People, that has been the word on the street. Something right. happened in this workshop that I'm not super duper duper clear on. Basically, you know, and they were public and speaking about it because one of them wrote a book. And, you know, if you have read books or you read the author's bio, they reference mm-hmm. different workshops they've been in, degrees, that type of thing. So mm-hmm. in the book, in um, their bio, they reference that they were in that workshop. Kim Amanda had her people send them a letter saying, mm, you better call them books back, delete me, remove me from that bio for printed, published books. Like, and so this is when that person had made that Twitter thread going off. Like, that motherfucker, a transphobe. Like, it's disappointing. All right. So that's the background. Literally just uh, maybe a week ago, I wake up to, you know, one of my faves um, signed Isa on Bookstagram posting like, so what we're not going to do is read this essay that Kim Amanda put up and we're going to focus on that. So I was confused. So I go on Twitter. She trending. My good, my good Judy gonna put out a whole essay. I I'm calling it a rant. Ain't no fucking essay. Basically condemning, quote unquote, social justice, social justice zealot, zealots or whatever on the internet. Um, basically ranting on social media and standing in her transphobia because it seems to me like she's like she basically was condemning people on social media who like speak out about different things you know how people just want to call you a twitter warrior and move on and be like you don't even really do shit right. that bit you don't really need to read the essay y'all that's literally what the fuck it said i could tell you that's what the fuck it said so she basically was like going off because those queer and trans writers spoke up for themselves and talking about their experience with her mm-hmm. and and that workshop and all that stuff and so my thing is that when you like, when you respond to answers to your questions with violence, like, people have the right to turn up on your ass. I don't give a fuck how many books you wrote. I don't give a fuck none of that shit. Like, it, I, I don't know all the intricate details, and I'm not trying to act like I do. But it's very hard for me to believe that these people, these writers, who don't have the accolades that you do, who being in your workshop likely meant everything to you, just was in your shit and heard you saying homophobic shit and was like, fuck you, bitch. Like, it's hard for me to believe that they didn't give you no patience. It's hard for me to believe that, you know what I'm saying? They just start coming at your neck off bat. Like they wouldn't have nothing to lose by speaking up with somebody. You know what I'm saying? That has that much power. So for me, that essay and that rant, I, I couldn't even read it. It disappointed me because I'm like, you know, people people was like applauding it because she used a lot of big words and shit. Bitch, writers can be fucking like transphobes and homophobes. Just because she a writer and she know big she words don't mean shit. 
Period. Like, and these motherfuckers, you know what I mean? These got degrees who got days named after them, who took their ass over to the continent and stole our ass and threw us all over the world. Are we going to continue acting like they somebody we should look up to? Because, you know what I'm saying? They founded a place. Fuck them. Like, she can she can be a scholar in her respect and still be a homophobe and a transphobe. And that's like tension. That's balance. Yeah. You know what I'm it's saying? It's a fucked like, up balance. Both, but... both and. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Also, that's very on brand for her. Let's be honest. Like, we've been new. Sis been a homophobe for who knows how long. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably because she probably a queer. Like, I feel like some of the staunchest homophobes I be meeting usually, <sighs> you know, they got they got blouses hanging up in their closet, you know, mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the shit that they tried to, you know, let live and let, you know, be. Like, yeah. Yeah. Why I would mean, you feel the need to write a whole ass essay? Ho- like, bitch, you got her too website much time. crashed. Bitch, because so many too- people. Too much time. Too much time. Yeah, it's 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 gross. It's giving have a Kevin Hart. It's giving white women, you know, no accountability. Like, and this is why I say, like, straight black women be doing this shit. And this is why I say I'm proud of like these organizations on the continent doing mm-hmm. queer things and getting the shit together and being like, no, you are not the dominant narrative or like we are not all homophobes. Some of us are actually gay. You know what I'm saying? Stop it. Like it's 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 disappointing during Pride Month, bitch. During Pride Month, and she's you couldn't willing even to wait. take their money. That's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah. If you really you were willing to take her take their money. On some mm-hmm. capitalist shit, but then when they say that they were a part of you, like, oh, don't mention me. Like, yeah, I'll take, I'll take your. It's like if you was really about it, just say you don't. You're not letting queer folks come to your workshop. You know. Yeah. Like if that's yeah. what the fuck you finna be on, fuck out of here. Yeah. Just tell me you yeah. don't want my money. T- say you're a homophobe up front, and we can go. We can go. Like I'm yeah. not trying to be. I'm not trying to pay you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And last last two points for me is I believe that she is mad because her writing career is not hidden like it was at once at one point. Likely because the streets been saying that she homophobic. You know what I'm saying? So right. I feel like she's mad because niggas is not louding over what she writing no more. I, I really it, don't fuck with her anymore. Like I don't. Yeah, yeah. And then lastly, I just wanna say this for everybody. Twitter is accessible. I don't give a fuck how many books you wrote. Y'all need to stop acting like because somebody, I get it. Like there are, it's not so black and white. People be just using Twitter to act like they doing shit in real life. Like I get that. But at the same time, like people thoughts still matter, even if it's not written in a fucking book. They probably feel hopeless and powerful to maybe just be writing their first book and to be told by somebody that they really looked up to that they need to take like that you don't know how that impacted them in their career with that publisher or whatever like a person got the right to be mad and be like speak publicly and name the harm that somebody else is doing to them and if it's on twitter then so fucking be it it's on twitter that you ain't no important because your shit was in a book so that's and that's because that's on hierarchy a lot of people think that because you got millions of followers you have accolades or whatever that means you you're important and that's just not how the fuck that works. And don't get mad when a motherfucker clap back at you and then you try to call them angry. It's like, nah, sometimes some people deserve to get that fire, period. And yeah. you're not going to tone police me. You're not going to tell me I'm aggressive. Nah, cause and effect. Mm-hmm. Like cause you, and effect. You, I match energy. So if you don't want the heat, get your ass out the kitchen, kitchen. and come correct. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's deaf classes scum. And for me, it, it reminded me of a situation that I had with an elder actually like black lesbian woman who I felt locally has a name you know what I'm saying and it's like 
I'm standing, I don't give a fuck if you have all these accolades, whatever. I'm, I care about myself. I'm going to stick up for myself, even mm-hmm. with you. And then it just kind of feels like this, this predatory kind of elder thing where they think, cause they older, you know what I'm saying? And they within this community that they can just do anything and not be called out on it. And it's like, nobody is above being called out. And many black people know, I respect my, you know, like the elders of my life are the most important to me. Many who have transitioned, who impacts who the fuck I am today. I hold high standards for old people in my life. You know what I'm saying? So you're not finna sit up here and think that I don't think you wise or whatever, but I also don't mean you get to disrespect me, mofo. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, it's disappointing. And I just feel like sometimes my elders need to do better um, and be willing to listen instead of just trying to clap back. Cause what the fuck that was, was a Twitter thread that was just on her website. Same thing. You know what I'm saying? If you want to go there. So that's it for me. I said this is going to be a long read because that shit pissed me off. Not you calling her essay a Twitter thread and people thought that shit was special just because that shit's on a website. Fuck your website. Like, you could have put it on Twitter. You could have put it on your website. It's the same thing to me. Thank you so much for this conversation, Saj. I'm so grateful for you, like, talking about friendships and your experiences. And, like, I'm excited for it to just reach other people. And I hope it just challenges all of us to be better friends to the folks that we care about in our lives. Is there anything that you want to, you know, say before getting off? Yeah, well, um, you can find me on Instagram. Um, Saj underscore Mahal. I I also have a podcast, uh, mm-hmm. Meditation for Misfits. Period. Um, it's queer. It's black, and that's that. Them is the voices. It's I'm calming. Centering. It's mm-hmm. calming. So if you need to get grounded, mm-hmm. um, you know, check me out um, and let me Period. know if you do. Um, and that links in my Instagram bio. But you mm-hmm. can also and find I'll share it. it on our pages. Yeah, you are gonna share it. Yo, okay. People mm-hmm. know where to find me. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Saj. that y'all enjoyed that conversation with Saj and I hope that you check out Meditation for Misfits and all that they are doing. I'll be sharing more about their contact information on the Femcast's social so make sure you check that out so you can also keep up with Saj. Now to close out this episode and this conversation on friendships. I want to reflect a little bit on season one and season two of the podcast and give a little preview of what's to come in season three. Now, in brainstorming and formulating the Femcast, in season one, it was very much so about I and my former co-hosts' experiences as fems, as queer women in this world, how we navigate queer spaces, straight spaces, and all the weird places in between how we were able to really fully be ourselves in some spaces and in other spaces not for whatever reasons that may be. And just the like complexes of the complexes, but truly, I guess the complexities of what being a queer femme means out here in this world. And it really was just a conversation and reflection on what we've been through and just like our experiences in order to help us process and move forward and I love that I feel like these conversations are healing and I feel like they help other people process depending on where they are at different stages in their lives now in season three that is not going to change but we throwing some razzle dazzle on it okay 
in season three, I'm going to be introducing y'all to other femmes, to other folks, other queer people who are out here making this world a better place, whose energy makes this world a better place. So really season three is going to be same vibes, but new energy. Okay. Elevated energy. This show has like constantly reminded me of the expansiveness of being queer. I mean, if you haven't noticed, this is why y'all ain't really seen me post much, I guess, about pride on um the femcast's social because it's just kind of like yes girl like we got pride over here but also like being prideful is is very much so and being queer is more than about you know who we love and who we loving on or whatever it is much more expansive than that and I feel like I have just really come to learn that there are so many less limits <laughs> than what um this world tries to inflict on us i think that the lack of limits i think that we we are socialized to believe that there are so many limits in this world i think the quote unquote limit is kind of like a barrier in a lot of people even just coming out or publicly being queer or you know publicly being whatever they are And so I just, I love how I feel like the conversations in season one and season two have helped me remember that there are no limits. Like, and when you adapt that mindset, even though we know the real structural things out here, when you believe in yourself to a certain extent, there is no stopping where you can go. There is no stopping who you can be. Not at all. And even with this podcast, like, I'm so excited, y'all, like... (laughs) I'm not because I, I just can't like I, I just you know I, I, I don't want to spoil it but you know season three is going to be going to be quite quite cute very cute and it's definitely going to be a step up from what you all have been experiencing with us for the past two seasons and I'm just excited for all that is to come so to close this show out again Thank you. Thank you to everybody who's literally sent me screenshots from their friends. Like, oh, I told my friend about the show and they thought this and like just every single thing. Very grateful. Continue to share this show uh, with your friends and the people that you love, family, whoever you feel could benefit from hearing these conversations. And I thank y'all for like taking the ride with the Femcast, you know, to have this switch kind of in the middle of season two probably had a lot of people scratching their head and it's okay um (laughs) the show was only gonna get better from here and y'all still been riding it out with me so i'm grateful it's been janaea and i will see y'all in like probably like two months you know what i'm saying if you want to keep up make sure you following us on twitter and instagram so you don't miss when we're back for season three follow us on twitter at femcast pod cst and follow the femcast on instagram at femcast podcast i'll be in there posting you know what i'm saying for the next two months as well to kind of keep y'all in on what's going on with different queer news and you know different pop culture things that are happening so still gonna be out here in these streets but always need to take a necessary break in order to reserve the energy to come back even better 
even more powerful and just to come back in a more authentic way. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you. And I will see you in two months.